Welcome to Query, where we provide simple answers to complex tech questions. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, who I think is feeling much better this week, Serenity Caldwell. Hey. Hi. Yes, I am I am mostly recovered. I appreciate uh, Micah playing the role of alternate universe Serenity for the week. <laughs> <laughs> He, yeah, I, lo- I just I love Micah to death. He's he's just the best. So we have an exciting topic today. Listeners will notice that this is this shows out a few days early, uh, and that's because you got some hands-on time with the HomePod that just went up for pre-order today as we're recording this. And uh, so you've written some stuff on iMore. We'll have links to that in the show notes. Uh, but you're the only person I know who has actually spent time with one of these outside of a very brief interaction at WWDC. Um, so I have lots of questions. Uh, as oh someone who I did pre-order, and so you are going to help me validate my choice, I think. I can um, do that. I can pat you on the back, Stephen. Yes, that's that's what I'm, what I'm after today. <laughs> but there are a lot of questions about this device. So Apple introduced it, or kind of teased it, really, back in June, way back at WWDC. They said it was going to ship by the end of the year. Now it's shipping February 9th. Not all the features are going to be there on day one. AirPlay 2 and some stuff that it can do with that will be coming later this year. But all the core functionality is there. But it's a device that I think a lot of people have uh, have had questions about because Apple hasn't talked much about it past that that sort of initial announcement and some stuff on the website. And so I want to start kind of with the device itself. All of Apple's pictures have it up really close, right? And it looks it looks big and sort of menacing. And then I saw a picture <laughs> of it on a table and like it doesn't look big and menacing so like how does this thing look in a room like what are the color options like like how would you feel about putting this somewhere in your house yeah i would definitely put this somewhere in my house in fact that was my first reaction when i when i came to get a listen to it uh earlier today was i walked in and it's sitting on a you know on a tv console right it's the only thing on a tv console uh and it's the size of a Sonos One. If you've ever, if you've seen a Sonos One or like a Play One in person, like it's tiny. And I have in my head, I'm thinking, oh, this is a Mac Pro. Like I'm thinking, this is the trash can Mac Pro, and that's yeah, the size that's that I'm expecting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's like a third of that size. So it just looks, okay. it looks so much smaller in person, which is what honestly also makes the subsequent sound that comes out of it very intimidating <laughs> because you're just kind of like you're a tiny little speaker you're gonna sound like a tiny little speaker and then you listen to it and you're like you're not a tiny little speaker what's going on <laughs> and it, it yeah. comes in white and uh what apple calls space gray which is anything Quote past unquote. a certain shade of darkness apple just calls all those things space gray yeah it is not pure black it's about the apple tv 4k space okay. gray right where okay. it's like it's that like nice pseudo matte pseudo glossy weird look <laughs> and uh so i know the new amazon echoes and we're going to try very hard not to say the name of any of these voice assistants so we don't trigger them but forgive us if we do it's, it's hard to talk <laughs> around that but um, the old Amazon Echo, which is like hard plastic, and I know the new ones, like I've got a new one, and it's it's covered in like sort of a cloth, like soft touch, like fabric-y thing. I'm, I've, mm-hmm. I've been kind of a little worried about that being in the kitchen and just stuff just adhering to it. So far, I've been okay. Um, but I have no read on like what the HomePod is actually made of. Is it wire mesh? Is it fabric-y? Is it something else? Yeah, it's something more, it's a little bit in between. It's not quite like a hard casing the way that like the Zoom mic I'm talking into right now has a hard casing, but it's also not cloth. It's like a textured padded sort of in between. I didn't actually get a chance to like 
put my hand like I didn't even think about it. I was within inches, and I probably could have just petted it if I wanted to. But uh, <laughs> a little hug. Hey, buddy. Yeah, I just like hi, buddy. You're gonna be a droid in my house soon. Uh, no, I um, I would guess because someone actually one of the first questions I got asked on Twitter was about whether their cat would destroy it, mm. and I'm like, that's actually a very valid question. It could be confused for a scratching post. Uh, but no, I like when I look at the mesh. What I see is more more like a microphone, like a hard case microphone and less like a like an old school 1950s like soft satin covered speaker. It's okay. somewhere it's a it's kind of in an in in between, but I wouldn't I'm personally not worried about cat ravaging or uh kitchen <laughs> kitchen gunk, gunk. sticking yeah. to your speaker. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I fried up some bacon and now my HomePod's all sticky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. And I know a question we got on Twitter uh, today was about the screen on top. Mm. So if you look at the thing from above, you can see these on Apple's website. There is a circular display that it looks like series kind of living under frosted glass of some sort. Like, what is that? Yeah. Uh, it's very hard for me to read on the website. So it is. It's an LED screen. It shifts. It has a couple of like dynamic modes. It is touch a touch screen, but I don't think it's multi-touch and it doesn't have haptics. So it's just kind of the okay. very, ba- it's probably the most bare basics touch screen that Apple has created and maybe, <laughs> maybe ever. Yeah. Um, it, it has the same kind of material as the, the touch surface on the Siri remote, right? Where it's like that kind of like slightly opaque Oh yeah. Um, okay. Glass, but then underneath it is this LED, um, this LED image, and to tell you the truth, I'm not even sure if it's Retina or not. I I imagine it must be because I can't imagine Apple shipping a non-Retina screen in anything, uh, but it's it's not very. <laughs> yeah, just out pride. of like out of like. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like 300 DPI or bust. Uh, but no, I um. I think it's really interesting <laughs> from perspective of I was also very confused about it. And uh, when I saw it at WWDC, I saw it static with just that image on a table with like 70 other journalists. So actually mm-hmm. seeing it in action, it's very muted, the the interactions that go on the top of there. You know, it doesn't read off like current song playing or anything like that. It's literally just um, it's it's right. default active state. Like when it's before it's ready to pair, it just has a pulsing white light kind of. It reminds me very much of the old school like Mac sleep light, like the purr, where it just kind of. Yeah. And then once you sync it, once you bring your phone close and do the automatic setup, similar as to like an Apple TV, then it goes into its, you know, regular state, which is it just has a a plus button and a minus button for volume and then a black center. And uh, if you want, you can tap and hold that black center and get Siri or you can say the trigger word, Ahoy Telephone insert your trigger word here, um, mm-hmm. and the assistant will automatically talk to you. Uh, but that, and then when the assistant comes on and is and wants to talk to you, then those two volume buttons very, very like slowly, they just fade away. And then you get this like little dancing Siri pulse. And it's the same animation pretty much as what you see at the bottom of the iPhone. It's just, as I said, it's a little bit bigger and it's, as as you noted, it's a little more muted, right? It's it's under this kind of, as I said, it's it's not quite opaque, but it's you're right, it's a little bit frosted. 
and on the website, the animations look like you said really subtle and just sort of an indication that this thing is alive somehow. That it's that it's active. You know, it's not distract. I don't think this would be distracting in any way. Just a sort of a hey, you know, I can do things. Don't forget about me over here. Exactly. To me, it reminds me kind of of uh, Echo's little bloop, like blue light, yeah. right? Um, mm-hmm. The and the Sonos One has the 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 actual noise that pops up after you give its its insert command. Um, so it's just I think it's just a different variation. But yeah, those are the I've only seen I only saw three different modes on that screen, and that was the volume. The when you tap to hold Siri or you activate it with the keyword, you get the little Siri animation. And then if you ask it to hand off a phone call, so if you're if you choose, let's say I'm dialing up Steven, and for my audio source, instead of my headphones or my AirPods, I choose HomePod, then it'll just use the HomePod as a speaker. And there's a big giant hang up call button in the center where uh, where the the Siri animation normally would be. And that's basically it. And of course, inside, so looking at the specs, this thing weighs five and a half pounds. Like it is densely yeah. <laughs> packed. Um, it's got an A8 processor in it to do a bunch of sound stuff we're going to talk about in a second. Obviously, it's mm-hmm. got wireless antennas and that sort of stuff, but no no aux jack. So uh, you're not going to be able to run something like manually from one device into this. Everything is going to be wireless, either streaming Apple Music or streaming something via airplay too so uh, mm-hmm. i saw that question a bunch on twitter today of like is there a aux jack and, and no no there's not but but that's nope. not uncommon in this arena right like the the echoes don't have them you got to no. spend some serious money on a sonos before you get one with an with an input on it uh, these things are really streamers not kind of old school speakers in that way yeah absolutely they're they are designed to interface with your other devices and your smart home in general they're not designed to just be you know speakers that hook up via optical cable to your television and it makes sense also when we talk we will talk more about how the a8 works but if you think about you know the sound and audio in general it's very much moving towards computers and processors having a hand and making the audio sound better and figuring out ways to tweak it so um if you can you know the all the Dolby stuff that's going on in Atmos and everything else, like you kind of want a wireless connection in some way because you want to be able to do all of that fancy stuff. And mm-hmm. it's not to say you can't do that fancy stuff if you have a wired connection, um, but it's you know it's an extra hassle to build in the the aux jack or the optical out or any of that. Yeah, the the world has has moved on from that in a, in a lot of ways and. Uh, again, in in this pricing, you know, uh, Renee was on the talk show, and he he said something really uh, smart that I've really, I've really been thinking about all day since hearing it. Is that in the world of like high end audio, there is no upper limit. Like you can spend mm. all of the money, like just mm-hmm. however much money you have, you can spend on high end audio. And obviously, in that world, you're still using, you know, optical audio cables and that sort of stuff. But in the sort of this price range, right, a couple hundred bucks for something that sounds nice, you put in your kitchen. Um, they're just all wireless now. So I don't, I don't see that as a, as a ding against the HomePod. I didn't never expected it to have an aux jack. Uh, but I did see that question a bunch. I wanted to, I wanted to address it, mm-hmm. but I think the, the big topic today, of course, is how does the thing sound? So you have, um, the Amazon echoes, even the new ones, which Amazon sort of 
hammered home like hey these do sound better they don't sound like a complete toilet <laughs> yeah it's it's not it's fine like it's fine you know ours yeah. we have an echo in our kitchen the kids listen to music on it we listen to news on it sometimes we pair to bluetooth and listen to a podcast it's not going to blow anyone's socks off but it's fine but this thing seems like it seems like how apple's positioning it um is that this is more like a on the higher end something like a sonos or something from somebody like Bose, where this is, you're going to spend a little more money and you're going to get a lot more sound quality out of it. So how, how did it sound in your, in your time with it? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I should preface by saying essentially that uh, I was not interested in the HomePod going into this. Um, like, I, I was interested last June when it was first announced. But by <laughs> December, when December rolled around and the Sonos One came out, I was pretty much like, well, I've had an, an Alexa in my kitchen for over a year, uh, and uh, it's not doing so well, and so it might be nice to have a different kitchen speaker that's also really, really good quality, and I love my Sonos, so I'm just going to go ahead and, and plop down for a Sonos One, and I and I love the Sonos One. I think the Sonos One is a great device. Uh, so I went into this being very skeptical and I'm like, you, you're going to sell something that's twice the size of a, or twice the cost of the Sonos one and about the same size. And you don't ha- I'm just, I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical. So I walk in and I told you before, like there's this tiny little thing on a, on a, on, I keep on saying a coffee table on a console table, um, and it's up against the wall and I'm like, okay, well, you know, this is a pretty big room, like 15 foot ceilings. We'll, we'll see how this does and what it does. And, uh, when we, you know, I sit down and listen to it, uh, first of all, it starts playing at like 30 or 40% audio, right? We're not even like blasting it and they play it at 30, 44% and it's crystal clear. It's hmm. And, and, you know, we're, we walk around the room and uh, there's so, like there's a, a couple bushes and bushes like a tree, like potted plants and things and like a bookshelf. And I intentionally I'm like, I'm going behind the trees and I'm going behind the, <laughs> the bookshelf and all of that um, to see how it differences, you know, if there's any sweet spots or any dead spots. And it just sounds wacky and I can't put my finger on it. I'm just like, this is, this is a very weird experience. Uh, and what I, what I tried to describe it akin to on Twitter, and I'm not sure if I succeeded was essentially, it's like when you're watching a live concert and I'll just, for the sake of taking all of amplifiers, et cetera, out of it, let's just say you're watching acapella, right? It's just the people's voices. Mm-hmm. And when you watch, you know, when you're sitting in the audience of an acapella concert, you can watch the various singers doing various harmonies and your eyes can tell your brain, can help your brain determine, oh, this singer is singing this harmony and that singer is singing this harmony. They're singing two different things and I can, I can separate the two in my brain, not only because they're at different points in the stage, but also I can kind of see it and it's helping me visualize it. And uh, on a live recording of an acapella group, that's a lot harder, right? You can, if you have a very good ear, maybe you can differentiate the different, the, the different, uh, the different levels and the different harmonies, but otherwise it just sounds, you know, it sounds very nice and it sounds together and flowing, but you don't really get the same kind of experience as you do when you're sitting live in front of somebody. Uh, and the HomePod 
sounds like that. It sounds like that weird pseudo live experience where your brain is being told, hey, you know, this might be one sound, but there are three different voices making that sound. And you can hear each individual voice at the same time while you're listening to them collectively. It's a very, to hear that from a machine and to not hear, you know, from not people in front of you, it is a very trippy experience to, to have that in your brain. And, you know, we listened to a couple, a pretty decent variety of, of songs, um, including some jazz. But the one that I was really curious about, uh, they, we listened to Hamilton's My Shot, uh, which, of course, you talk about something that's very deeply layered with like 17 vocal por- parts at one point and you've got the piano and you've got the piano undercurrent yeah. and you've There's got a lot, the strings. A lot going on. <laughs> There's a lot going on. Um, and, you know, we listened to the first 40 seconds and I very intentionally, I was like, hey, can we listen to the, like, I'd like to listen to the last, like, a- last minute of that song. I want to hear this this big, you know, depthy uh, uh, part of this chunk of this song. Um, and, you know, we fast forward by saying, you know, Siri, fast forward to, you know, fast forward four minutes, which is awesome. I love that those controls are part of that speaker. Um, and then put that on and put that on 60%, just a little bit louder. And again, it's crystal clear and I can hear every single voice in that chorus, which is just, it's, and from, you know, what's ostensibly probably a mono, you know, an, an initial mono uh, MP3 or AAC that's being delivered through Apple Music. The fact that the, that the speaker is doing all of this crazy magic to pull and stretch the sound so that you can actually hear the voices and the background piano and, you know, the, the strings and the lead singer. And they all sound like you, they all put together, uh, they're all put together in a, in a way that sounds cohesive. It's not like it sounds off, right? But mm-hmm. you can also feel the difference as you're walking around the room. You can feel, you know, like you get closer to the speaker and you can hear more of the bass and more of the drums. And then you get further away from the speaker in the center and you can hear the lead vocalist and you go to the left or the right and you can hear more of the background and support along with the lead. It's just, it it just feels like you're stretching music out in a, in a weird way, like almost like a, a slinky where you're just pulling it back and you can see all of the, the ra- like, I'm just going into weird metaphors here, Stephen, which I think no, is a totally, the show. It totally but, worked for me. Yeah. Okay, good. And this is something that these other devices really, really aren't doing, right? This, this separation, this processing, again, being done by that A8 CPU in there, uh, it's, Apple is affecting this music. It's it's intelligent about the room that it's into, right? So, like in my kitchen, yeah. it's going to be kind of under, like the upper cabinets, like on a shelf, and it's you know, and it's going to work out where it is and tweak what it is doing to set to fill the kitchen with the with the best possible sound. And something like the Echo is not going to do that. Sonos is kind of in between, right? I'm sure you've done this, or our listeners have done it, where when you set up a Sonos you have their app and basically like you walk around and the thing is dinging and it hears itself and like works out what to do. But the, the home pod is smart enough where it's kind of doing all of this all the time. But one thing I saw you tweet and it blew, I mean, I read it and I had to read it like three times. 
the thing has an accelerometer in it. So if it's moved, it knows it's been moved and then it can refigure this, right? So if you, yeah. you know, slide it to the other end of the, you know, you pick it up and put it on the other side of the TV or on the other end of the, of the table, it, it knows that. And like that, that is ridiculous on, on one level, right? But super clever on another. Yeah, it makes so much sense. And uh, when I, again, like you, when I heard that, I was like, of course, that's how you do it. That makes so much sense. <laughs> uh, but it, but in reality, I'm like, they, you know, you don't advertise that on the HomePod website. You don't be like, features an accelerometer, so it'll rerun right. this obscure. No, it's just like, it sounds great, no matter where you put it. Um, and only us tech geeks are like, that's so cool. Oh, yeah, my goodness. I, I am- <laughs> I am really curious to to see how the reaction is to some of this processing. Like I, I'm excited to hear it, but at the same time, like, is it going to fundamentally change like songs that I really know really well, mm. for better or for worse? And then am I going to get my car? Am I going to be sad that my car stereo doesn't do this? Or yes. am I going to be, <laughs> or am I going to be on the other end and a little frustrated that the HomePod is doing too much? Like, I'm just curious how that's going to go for people once it's out in the world. Uh, because mm-hmm. it is so different and something that Apple's really pushing in a way that these other device makers just just aren't doing it. Yeah. So I'll say um, kind of to to build upon that a little bit, the really interesting thing for me, uh, I got to hear the, the HomePod pit up against the Sonos One and the Google Home Max uh, and the, the new Amazon Echo, the 2017 Amazon Echo. Um, and... They'd done tests like this, or the tests like this had been performed um, around WWDC time, but it was with the Play 3 because the Sonos One hadn't come out yet. And the Sonos One and the HomePod, they take similar similar tacks in some ways with wildly different results. Or I guess similar, mm. yeah, similar results, wildly different, ta- I don't know. Anyway, uh, the, the Sonos One and the HomePod sound... I would say to if you're really not listening to the music, it's just kind of like background music. They deliver a similar experience where this it, which is to say, the music sounds good. <laughs> it's not a it's not a an unfortunate bad experience, uh, which I cannot say about the the home Max. The home Max sounded like hot garbage, um, which I was really shocked by because it's four hundred dollars. Uh, but yeah, I what really struck me when comparing those two was that the the pulling, you know, the the separation, not just of the highs, the mids, and the lows, but kind of this pseudo left, right, center channel audio um, interaction, it's done in a very subtle way when you actually listen to it next to other speakers. And it's it's noticeable, but more like, to me, it's noticeable from a musical technique standpoint where I'm like, Oh, hey, I can hear all of the voices in a harmony. I think to the average user, it's just going to feel a little bit richer. Like, in a, mm. in a, you know how, like, there's the difference between, say, listening to music on a 50 pair of Sony headphones that, you know, wired headphones and listening to music on, like, a $400 pair of high-end, you know, Sony or Bose headphones, where it's like, they sound okay on the $50 headphones. Like, it sounds good. But then you listen to the same song that you love on that $400 set of headphones, and you're like, oh, wow, I never noticed this piano underbeat, like this piano through line that goes that goes in this song. Or I never noticed that uh, 
this singer has like a little funny aside that you can barely hear on the $50 headphones, but because of the, the channel separation on my fancy headphones, oh, I can hear that. And that's really, that's really hmm. cool. That's okay. kind of how it, how it breaks down. Like, I don't, okay. I don't know if it's going to be so, so outrageous that people are going to be like, oh my God, this feels super weird. Although I will say the one thing <laughs> when it comes to the sound separation, well, and this is like, it's a, it's a minor nitpick, but it's just the way that they do it. And I think it's really interesting, but also has the potential to be weird is that the, the tweeters that are around the bottom of the HomePod actually curve in on themselves. So if you think about like straight, you know, straight tweeters, and then they curve up and down so that the sound actually like goes out the bottom and all around. Um, and so they almost bounce in on each other a little bit, which is, which is interesting. Um, but it also has the benefit of being able to kind of direct that sound in certain areas um, when combined with the A8 and what they do when the HomePod's up against the wall or what the software does rather is it, it realizes that it's up against the wall and it says, Hey, walls make really good passive amplifiers. So what we're going to do is we're going to put most of our power into the forward and the side tweeters, uh, so that they can project long across a room and then we're just going to basically load all of the bass and the ambient noise, the stuff that, you know, can carry with less weight behind it. And we're going to throw it against the wall. So when you're very close to the HomePod, it sounds very similar to, say, a Sonos one, right? Where all of the set that you're basically like standing in the sound bubble. Mm-hmm. And then as you walk away from it, um, you still hear the vocals and the the primary like the the harmonies like you basically hear left right channel right and then you also but it's much more focused it's not even highs and mids versus lows it's just much more focused on the action of the song so the further away you get from the home pod and the wall that it's projecting across the more it's not that you lose the bass per se but it's more that the bass just sounds further away which is a really weird like it's it's still there it just it's it's elongate again with that slinky metaphor it's like it's elongated away from you so i did notice like it, it felt not tinny per se but just long when i was in the far corner of a room where i'm just kind of like this is this is a different way of listening to that song. So that's like, that's the one area where I'm like, this sounds dramatically different. If you have a, a speaker 20 feet away from where you're going to be listening to it, I think that might throw a couple people off at first. One thing uh, while we're talking about the internals, this thing has a six microphone array that goes around. So it can, it can hear you trigger the voice assistant, even if music is playing. Did you get a chance to see how that works, even if the music's really really pretty loud yeah actually so two things one when we first entered the room um it was used to turn on the lights and the initial like turn on the lights command was so soft that i barely heard it and as like i was walking in i'm like getting ready to laugh because i'm i'm getting ready essentially to be like uh-huh yeah i'm 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 waiting to stand in a dark room because that's certainly not like if I said that to my Sonos One, it would not trigger the lights. It would not trigger anything. It wouldn't even say hello. <laughs> so, uh, you know, 
very soft command and lights go on no problem. And then we're, you know, listening to this music and I heard, you know, the commands were being issued at 30%, but also at 65%. And at one point um, I had it cranked up to 95% because I really, I just was like, all right, I want to hear how high the speaker can blast without losing any of its fidelity and as also how low. And also I want to see what happens if you can, uh, if you can talk over it. Um, and the answer is that uh, you can talk over it well without having to scream, which... Very nice. I don't know. I, I don't know why that was so surprising to me. But, you know, we cranked it up to <laughs> 95% sound, and it was, and then it was like, okay, you know, Siri, stop. And then cut out. And I'm, I'm just staring in shock. Like, how did that work? Um, and it's, of course, it's, you know, beamforming microphones combined with... Um, it can listen to itself so it knows what itself sounds like versus what other things in the room sound like. And it can find you from there. And, there, you know, there's a, lo- there's a lot of behind-the-scenes magic going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it works, or at least it worked in demo. I would like to yeah. test it more in my actual review when I, when I get one because, obviously, there, there's only... When when you are in a controlled environment, it's a you know there, there's there are always questions you know how much how much of this wor- is working really well versus how much of this is being controlled. But so as far as sources of music, I think everyone knows that this thing is really made for Apple Music, uh, Apple's paid streaming service, and of course you have AirPlay, so you can have your phone or iPad or Apple TV and take the audio from that device and route it to the HomePod iOS eleven point. Uh, three, the betas are out now. Uh, add some stuff to that so you can control those a little more independently, mm-hmm. which is nice. So if you're, you don't have to use Apple Podcast to listen to a podcast on the HomePod, you could you could AirPlay it from Overcast or Pocket Cast on your iPhone. Yep. What about, or do you even know, um, what about I, iCloud Music Library and, and iTunes Match? If you're not using Apple Music, but you have music in the cloud with iTunes, can the HomePod see that stuff? Um, I've read very mixed things today. Yeah, I I think you've read mixed mixed things because it's not entirely clear to anyone. Um, I know for sure that if you have an Apple Music account, you should be able to access the stuff that's in your iCloud Music library. Um, But when it comes to accessing iCloud Music library, if you just have iTunes Match or accessing the stuff that's just if you don't have any, you know, if you don't have any iCloud Music library set up, that is a little dicier. Um, I'm not sure, and I am looking into it because it's yeah, it's it seems like you should be able to if you either pay for match or you have purchased songs be able to request that. But I know Apple TV has some issues with this too, um, and it's been you know it's 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 Siri controls have been out for a lot longer. So I want to get a specific answer on that before I go into too deep and end up having to retract something later. Apple's positioning of this, and let me know if you think this is, this is fair with what you've heard. Um, but like on their website in particular, and I think in the way Phil Schiller announced it in June, this is a, a music device first. They designed a music device that works with Apple music and sounds really good as you've described, but it also has Siri and there's sort of two classes of Siri on this thing. There's like Siri for music, which seems like it has a bunch of new stuff and people seem to be praising and they're hands on. And then there's, Siri, kind of as we know it on our iPhones, where Siri kit, so you can add things to your to-do list or whatever, as long as your phone is present. 
and it has HomeKit support. So you can say, you know, hey, HomePod, you know, turn on my lights or whatever. Apple seems to be talking about music first and, oh, it does this other stuff too. Um, and I just, I wonder what you think about once this thing is out in the real world, like, like in on the one that I ordered, I paid for, I'm going to do a review of it. And it's inevitable that I'm going to talk about it and pitch it against my Amazon Echo because they are, in my mind, similar type products. Do you think that's a fair assessment of what Apple is saying about this? Or are they sort of in there in the mix with Amazon Echo and Google Play and I kind of in the in the in the weeds with those guys? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's inevitable that they're going to be compared to the other assistants because by nature, Apple has made a a product that is a smart product, right? Or a theoretical, quote unquote, smart home product. Um, That said, I think they fill very different niches, you know? I mean, just like you can compare an Echo to a Sonos One, but they are also designed for very different niches, right? Like I would, I would recommend somebody, the person who I would recommend buy a Sonos one is very different than the person I would recommend buy an Amazon echo or even an echo dot. There are, there are different, I think categories for different folks. And the, where I look at for HomePod is, um, HomePod is first and foremost, like you said, uh, designed as a high end speaker. Like it is, if, if the Sonos One was the first kind of gasp of the, the high-end music industry into getting into smart speakers, I look at HomePod as kind of the realization of, like, this is where it could potentially go. And even HomePod's playing it. Like, they're playing on the low end. Uh, like Renee said, it's like there are $80,000 machines that are attempting, you know, that do similar things to what the HomePod does, just with a whole lot more tweeters and subwoofers and all of the, all of the above. Um but when you consider how Apple's marketing it, right, where they're saying, okay, we want this, you know, this beautiful music device that connects to, to, your, to your life, uh, I, <laughs> I personally don't think their marketing's going all that well because people really don't know. You know, I was really skeptical about this product before I heard it. I'm just like, I. this feels like iPod Hi-Fi. Why would I want this? This is too expensive. Yeah. This doesn't fill a niche. I already have Alexa, you know? And then when I take a step back and like in, in retrospective, like being able to see it today, um, the message to me is this is the iPod kind of thing. This is the iPod for Mac users or the Apple Watch for iPhone users. Um, you know, this is, as opposed to like using your dinky old Creative Rio, here's here's the iPod, here's how the iPod's gonna work, right? The Apple Watch, forget that Fitbit. Here's how you get something that's truly integrated with Apple and with your ecosystem. The fact that I didn't even think about this until somebody mentioned it on Twitter, but you know, for my for my Amazon Echo, I have a a large amount of smart home devices in my house right now. And for the Echo, I've set them all up. But in order to set up my devices, I have to go through Amazon skills menu and I have to select the skill and activate the skill and do, you know, it's doable. And it's certainly much easier than it used to be to connect smart, smart things, but it's still not a fun process. And on the HomePod, if it works with home, 
kit and you've and you've scanned the thing, then it's it's set up for any HomePod you want. Like it's just there. So all of a sudden, like mm -hmm. if you set up scenes or automation or anything like that, all of that's now accessible via the HomePod. Save for secured HomeKit things like locks because you don't want, you know, people shouting from your window to unlock your door. Um, but, but yeah, like if I have to sum this up in terms of like, this is what HomePod is and why you'd want it over a, an Echo or an Assistant, despite the fact that it's more expensive than their various options. It's if you're in the Apple ecosystem and you really want to be like, you, you want a speaker that is also in the Apple ecosystem and you want one of the best speakers on the market right now. And we haven't really talked about the privacy stuff, but you care about your voice and privacy and anonymous encrypted data. Like those are the three things. Those are the three things they should be selling hardcore. Great music speaker designed for people who live in the Apple ecosystem um, and easy to use, right? And privacy. So let's talk about the privacy angle a little bit. Yeah. I, I understand the the hesitancy to have a Google speaker in your home listening. I, I struggle a little bit with the Amazon side, part of it just because I have a lot of these devices, but I, I can see why people um, are uncomfortable there as well. Um, but what is Apple's privacy story on this thing? What are they saying? Yeah. So the way the HomePod work, well, first of all, the way that all of these three work from the, from the start is they all process their code word offline. So whether you're using Siri or whether you're using Amazon service or Google's assistant, um, when you call out your target phrase, that's processed offline and it's not listening until it hears that target phrase. Once that target phrase is issued or uttered, um, at that point, then they start logging information. And the way that Apple logs information is different than the way Amazon and Google do it. Um, where Amazon and Google, they log it, uh, I believe it's encrypted, but they tie it to your user ID. So A, you can you know see past transcription errors and things like that and correct things. Um, but B, it means that there is a direct link between voice data you've, you know, you've uttered and you and who you are, where your device is, you know, how often you've bought things off of Amazon. Um, whereas the way that Amazon or the way that Apple does this is when that encrypted voice data reaches its server, it's immediately anonymized with differential privacy. So it gets an anonymous identifier and it just disappears into the, into the cloud where it's mm -hmm. processed appropriately. So your data is never tied to your speaker. It's never actually like, oh, Stephen asked on, you know, at 7.15 on Friday about the next episode of Doctor Who or the next SpaceX launch. And uh, now we can build a profile of Stephen. Or it's not even the profile thing that I think bugs me personally. It's the potential implications, right? It's the, the fact that if that data is tied to you, I, there was a, a great article in Verge, I think last week, that was talking about the fact that the data is tied to you and technically can be retrieved via warrant, 
which isn't so much a problem for for you, assuming that you're a law-abiding citizen. But say, for instance, you know, say, Stephen, you have a friend of yours over for dinner and your friend, you don't know it, but your friend has just robbed a bank or maybe even let's let's dial that down. Maybe your friend like is wanted for a minor traffic infraction. Maybe he like clipped a cop's <laughs> mirror or something and that cop is really, <laughs> really peeved, right? Um, and say that there's due process and everything to, to allow them to get a voice warrant, they could essentially search Amazon's entire network for the voice print of your, your pal who is, you know, potentially uh, not, so, not doing too great. Um, and then they find, oh, you know, Steve, this, this device registered this voice print. Oh, this device is here. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's go pay a visit to Steven's home. And that's, you know, it's the... We, we saw the ridiculous story about the the stolen iPhones of what last week where a SWAT team busted down somebody's door because the the iPhone that they had gotten was uh, of a same serial number group than a bunch of iPhones that were had been stolen. It's like it's stuff like that where yeah. I'm like, that is too that starts to get dicey. And I I'm. I said I've been using Alexa for two years now, and you know I'm I consider myself a law-abiding citizen. I'm not particularly worried about that. But <laughs> so it, you say on the podcast. Yes, yeah, so I say on the podcast. Uh, and there's enough voice print data out in the world that anybody could probably make a, a <laughs> match of my voice, which is lovely to think about. Oh yeah, we're doomed. Totally doomed. Yeah, exactly. We're all doomed. But uh, but I don't know. There's just. I really appreciate Apple's commitment to privacy. I appreciate that it's part of the message. And especially when we're talking about something as potentially valuable as our data, you know, our voice data, part of who we are as humans, you know, it's very hard to change your voice print. That I feel like I appreciate that messaging. And then there's, it's not just that too, right? It's the voice print data is part of it, but also what Apple's doing, which I thought was very, very cool is the way that they're tackling uh, users and personal data on the HomePod. So, you know, both Amazon and Google uh, have user settings and you can add your calendars and your, you know, your work home locations. So you can get traffic mm-hmm. information and all of that. And you can add reminders and, you know, along those lines and send messages to people and call people. And Apple, you know, obviously doesn't want to not offer those features. So they they did it in such a smart way where when you first set up the HomePod, um, you set it up with an iOS device. You can't set it up with a Mac. Um, so when you set that, that device up and it asks you if you want to transfer your settings and your personal information and basically tie the HomePod to this phone. And if you say, yes, I do. Then at that point, um, Whenever that phone is on the HomePod's Wi-Fi network, it doesn't have to be unlocked. It's just whenever it's on its Wi-Fi network, then the HomePod will route messages. So it'll give like a little ding um, if a message comes in while you're cooking. Um, And then at that point, you can ask, you know, can you read me my most recent messages? Um, But it, it connects to this device. But the second that that device leaves the network, or say is you know um, otherwise turned off from Wi-Fi, that 
device now, you know, still can access Apple Music and it can still access basic queries like how long is it going to take to me for me to get to the airport or set timers. But when it comes to your personal mm-hmm. data, that's now se- that's separated. So it can only access that basically if you're physically around, right. which I that's not any like Amazon isn't doing that. Google isn't doing that. And it's it's such a smart way of handling that. Yeah. And I think with with any of these speakers and these devices, you know, I think just taking some time to think about your situation and your data and the people you live with. Right. If if it's you and your significant other, that's one thing, maybe. But if you're, you know, if you're in a house with four other people, uh, you know, maybe that's another set of things to think about. Um, I agree with you. I think Apple has approached this really well. I mean, I think I think an obvious thing if we think about like what does version two of this look like? The thing that comes to mind immediately for me is, um, you know, sort of multi-user support. So if I say, "Hey, put this on my calendar," yes, or exactly. my wife says it, it goes on the right person's calendar. You know, we're not there yet. Google has done some of that. Amazon's done a little bit of it. No one really has it the way that I want it. Right? We're just it knows who's talking and it knows what to do. So that seems like. A, it seems really hard, uh, but B, it seems like, you know, a place that they could go in the future. But until then, I think, I think this idea of that the phone is present, you can do stuff on the phone and if the phone is gone. You can't. Um, I think that's, I think that's the best possible solution right now. I really do. You know, I think that that's, it's clever and it's, and most importantly, it's, I'm, it, I'm not having to come home and like tell the HomePod, Hey, I'm home. I don't have to like touch my phone on it. Hey, it's on the Wi-Fi network. Uh, it, that that means some level of you know uh, acceptance and consent. It also means that you don't have to unlock your phone right to to use something, yeah, which, which is... defeats the whole purpose of you know. I mean, I don't know how many times. I'm sure you're the same way. You mm-hmm. know, I talk to the Echo when I'm elbow deep in dishes, right? Like, or I'm I'm cooking and I, my hand, you know. So being able to speak, you know, say hey, oh hey, add this to my task list for tomorrow. That, that you know, if you had to go unlock the phone, like that would defeat the purpose of having the voice assistant. <laughs> exactly. Then it's just then it's just a dumb assistant. So overall, it sounds sounds like you're excited about this. Um, is it something that you're going to have in your home? Something you're you're going to pick up? Yeah. Um, so before today, I would have said no. Um, I'm happy with my Sonos, and after today, I have one on pre-order, and I'm still. I'm still not 100%. I'm still like reserving the right to return it within 14 days. But the sound quality and Apple's commitment to privacy have me really rethinking having, you know, having Alexa versus having Apple in my house. In part because I'm thinking about this and I'm like, really, the only Amazon speaker, like I have a couple of taps or a taps. I have a couple of dots that are hooked up to my Play 5s. But really, yeah, 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 the babies. Um, But really, the only Alexa speaker I have is the Sonos one. And all of my Sonos, because all I have are the, I have the Play Bar, a couple of Play 5s, and the Sonos one. I'm like, all of those theoretically will be AirPlay 2 compatible later this year. So if I get the HomePod, and I really like the HomePod, I conceivably would not, would only have to use Alexa for another three or four months, at which point, not only could I use, you know, the HomePod in my home, but I could connect my entire Sonos speaker collection and play everything simultaneously with just my voice. And that, like, that is really 
that is something that I want. And even Amazon can't, like the Sonos skill that Amazon released pretty fairly recently is decent, but it still can't do that. It's, it can't, it can't mm-hmm. do things the way that I would like them to. Yeah. Like I said, I, I've got one on the way. My plan is to replace the echo in our kitchen because that's the one that gets the most heavy use. I'm going to have to think through the calendar and contact stuff. I mean, I want that in the house, but you know, maybe that if I had one in the office, I would do that. But I, uh, I'm I'm excited to try. You know, we're even though we're Apple Music subscribers, we have we've got two Echoes and two Dots. We use them all the time. The kids use them. Um, but in uh, so today, uh, in thinking preparing for the show, actually, like uh, in the Echo app, you can see like the most recent things you've asked the Echo. And I just scrolled through it and sort of like, okay, in a normal day, what do I what do I say to this thing? And I don't think there's anything major that that. The HomePod couldn't do, especially with the addition. This is a really nice thing. Uh, now, if you ask Siri to, to tell you the news, it plays like a four-minute clip from... You can select between like NPR and Fox News and CNN, I think one more. And that's something we use all the time. Like very regularly after the kids go to bed, you know, we're kind of cleaning up the kitchen. And my wife will say, hey, uh, Echo, you know, tell me the news. And it, it's just a four-minute like recap of whatever horrific thing has happened today. And it's <laughs> something we use a lot. And, and now, now it's usually not uh, overwhelmingly positive, but I'm curious to see what I haven't thought about what this thing, you know, where we may have to make changes. Uh, but I am excited about it. And I, uh, with, I agree with you. I ordered it this morning because I felt like I need to talk about this mm. for work throughout the day, especially talking to you. Uh, I am excited to, to see what Apple's take on this category is, you know, Apple, I mean, it's, it's just like, it's cliche at this point. They let a category sort of start up and then they enter it with their own take Mm. on it. And this so far follows that pattern. So I'm excited to see about the decisions they've made and, and how, how they differ from ones that Amazon and Google have made. I agree. And I also think that the, the roadmap here is potentially very long and very large because if you look at the way that they're building this, um, especially with the fact that, you know, the, the A8 chip is in there and we could theoretically, I'm not sure if it's HomePod OS or iPod, iPod or iPod iOS, uh, that's, that's running HomePod right now. Uh, iPod OS, boy, I need some sleep. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what that is, but presumably we're going to get updates and every update we get, it's like portrait mode, right? Where it's going to make that soundscape even better at, with every update. And that's exciting. That's the the potentials here are, are huge. And Apple, I think, you know, Apple is not missing cash in the bank right now. Um, they have a lot of flexibility. No, they're, yeah, they're exactly. Fine. <laughs> they're okay. They can do they can do a couple things. No big deal. It's all good. <laughs> uh, well, before I let you go, normally what we do on the show is answer. Uh, we talk about a topic and then we answer listener questions, and we call the second section of that the speed run and because we are way over the normal length of the show we're going to really blast through the speed run this week so we've got uh, a couple of questions and uh do you want to get us started steven steve wants to know how can i get a notification for mac os updates he's looking for when a new combo update is available apple mostly has rss for itunes and one for security updates but i want to know about mac os updates yeah so this is something that i I think about more than I should because I, I, you know, I do a little tech stuff on the side still. And so things like combo updaters or, you know, standalone installers are nice to have. Uh, Steve is right that Apple does maintain RSS feeds 
for some things. Uh, there's a link in the show notes. It's actually apple.com slash RSS. And that itself is not a feed, which is very confusing. It is a page that lists their feeds. And they have a bunch of iTunes top chart stuff, new movie trailers, Apple Newsroom, which is their kind of PR section of the site, developer news and server documentation. Uh, they used to have a feed that had updated support documents and downloads and stuff, but that seems to have gone away over the last couple of years. So as far as I know, and according to Apple itself, um, there's not a way to to look at that. So what I've done is I've just bookmarked the d- support download page. And so like this week, you know, there was a macOS update and usually the next day the combo updates up there. So I just kind of make a note to myself to check it manually. But as far as I know, there's not an automated way to do yeah, that. Yeah, maybe an if this, then that and set to look at the page or something. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, something kind of watching that page. All right. The next one is for you. Nick wants to know if he can read Apple News on his Mac or even <gasps> Shutter PC. No. Sorry, Stephen. <laughs> yeah. Sadly no. not. Maybe in the future, Nick. Uh, maybe it could come in a, as a Mac app or something. But mm. I wrote a thing for Mac Stories a while back of like obvious iOS apps that should come to the Mac, and News is the top one for me. Like it, it'd be, it'd be really nice. Oh yeah. Uh, but. Uh, but it's not there. Uh, Matthew writes, My wife and I each have our own iCloud accounts signed into our devices, but we use a shared iCloud account to make all purchases. Are there benefits to iOS family sharing, or should we stay put with how we have it configured? So this setup is exactly what my wife and I used to use. So we had our own iCloud accounts for contacts and calendars and stuff, and then we used my old Apple ID for purchasing. We moved to family sharing about six months ago. We talked about it on the show. I remember very distinctly because we talked about your uh, fake test child in your iCloud account. Oh my God, yeah. Which makes me laugh every time I think about it. We did it because we could save money because we both wanted to use Apple Music. We were both already paying for additional storage. We could pull that storage on family sharing. The only downside that really comes to mind, it's a downside depending on how you think about it, is there are some things you can't share. So if you and your partner are sharing an Apple ID you have access to the same in-app purchases, right? Because it's the same ID. But if you're on family sharing, in-app purchases cannot be shared. And so that's something to think about. The way that I think about it is, A, I'm saving a bunch of money on Apple Music and storage. This probably comes out in the wash anyways. But if I'm sharing one in-app purchase between my my partner and myself, to a degree, cheating that developer out of some <laughs> yeah. income. And that felt kind of weird. And maybe it's just because I know a bunch of developers. Matthew may not feel this way, but in my mind, it's more fair to say, look, uh, if I want this in-app purchase and my wife wants it, then you know, we should both spend the money on it. And uh, But I have some links in the show notes. There's one in particular about what is not shared. So look through that. But all in all, I've got to say, moving to family sharing, I was... I think because it was rough in the beginning, I'd heard some sort of horror stories. It was totally fine for us. Like, it went really smoothly. Their documentation is really good. I also put uh, an iMore link that explains how to do it. That I, I followed that and Apple's <laughs> document as I was setting it up. It's, um, it's really nice. So check it out, especially if you're paying for Apple Music or additional storage. You can actually save some money each month by, by kind of combining those things. So I would say uh, I'd say go check yeah. it out. It's great. All right, that brings us to the end. Thank you for listening to Query this week. You can find our show notes at relay.fm slash query slash 23. 
Uh, the show is usually out uh, every other Wednesday. Like I said, we're a little off schedule, so we can talk about the HomePod. If you have questions you want us to answer or topics you want to suggest, you can tweet with the hashtag AskQuery, and we have little robots that go out and collect those for us. Um, so these these questions in the speed run are all from all from listeners. In the meantime, you can find Serenity on Twitter. She's been talking about the HomePod all day, answering uh, even more questions than we had time for here. Uh, you can find her there as Saturn, S-E-T-T-E-R-N. And of course, you can find her excellent writing at imore.com. I'm ISMH on Twitter and write at 512pixels.net. And until our next episode, Serenity, say goodbye. Goodbye, Stephen. Goodbye, listeners. Adios.